Well, it's really good to see all of you this morning. And if you want to find your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. And have you noticed that if you love something, like you kind of get really caught up into it. In fact, the more you're into something, you're, you're drawn to it. And we got a lot of examples of that. Like, for instance, if you're into running, like I'm into running, all of a sudden, you kind of find yourself like really into running shoes. And then, of course, there's running gear and like getting the right socks and shorts and shirts and stuff. And, and pretty soon, you find yourself kind of thinking about running a lot. Even when you're not running, you're wearing running clothes and running shoes. And you even develop a little bit of that running smell about you. It just kind of happens, right? And there's others that we could think of. Like, if you get into old Western movies and... All of a sudden, John Wayne becomes kind of like a role model for you, right? And you begin to like walk like him and talk like him. I mean, this has happened with some of my extended family. I, I, I've seen this play out there. You're just like into the Duke, right? And you kind of become the Duke. And then, of course, like if you like are into working on cars, like when an automotive ad like shop, you know, comes up on the screen, like all of a sudden, like you're really into that. Like, what? There's a sale at O'Reilly's? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a big deal. You won't forget that. You'll forget a lot of other things, but you're locked on. Next thing you know, you are totally into NASCAR and you can spot a classic about a mile away. It's just kind of in your blood. And then, of course, like think of your favorite sports team. So if you're like into the Cowboys or the Spurs or maybe it's the Bears, or, you know, I went to the University of Oregon, and we had this extremely ferocious mascot, the duck, you know? I mean, just one quack attack strikes fear an opponent. I mean, it, you just have to see it happen, you know? And, and you're, like, into the teams. You know what's going on. You know who you're playing. You know how good they are. Uh, that happens because you're kind of consumed. You're interested in those things. And furthermore, you'll even find that uh, what you really love, you might even end up looking like. So if you're into tennis... You know, you got your tennis racket and you got your tennis gear, you kind of kicking around a little tennis lingo from here and there. And like, you know, like some guys, like their head, you know, just starts looking like a tennis ball, you know? It's just like nice, nice and tight, right and close, right? Like that. Because what happens is you love things and you're drawn to them and you even become like them. That's why Jesus said, you know, you're to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because what you love, you become like. And God wants us to learn to love him. And as we do, we become like him. His priorities and his characteristics start marking ours. And if you want to know, like, well, what does it really look like when you treasure Jesus Christ? Like, if Jesus Christ is really your treasure, what would that look like in a person's life? That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It shows us the characteristics of those who value and treasure Christ. And specifically, at the text we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 23, Jesus highlights two traits that will mark out those who truly treasure Christ. You see, treasuring Christ and his kingdom will change the trajectory of your life. And so when you look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, you're going to find that treasuring Christ and his kingdom changes how we manage money. So look what Jesus says. Verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, in the original Greek this is a negative present imperative that says, stop 
doing this. You're currently just storing up treasures on earth, and he says, you need to stop this, this way of life where it's all about you. He says, stop doing this. Stop uh, actually storing up treasure on earth. Both that word storing up, or maybe it's in your Bible, laying, and treasure, give us our English word thesaurus. You know what a thesaurus is, don't you? It's a treasury of words. And what Jesus is saying is, don't put your treasure and make your treasure on earth. Has the idea that you're hoarding it up. It's all about you. You're, you're stockpiling. You're, you're consuming and using and, and holding on to resources for just your own comfort, to display your own wealth, or perhaps to just to indulge in just a, a lifestyle that is lazy and very concerned, very unconcerned with anybody else. He says, stop storing up your treasure on earth. Have you noticed that we are just naturally inclined to want to focus and be wrapped up on things, to accumulate, to gain? In fact, especially in Western civilization, especially like the United States, we want stuff badly. And we have so much stuff, we have to buy storage units. That doesn't make sense to most of the people in the world. What would you need a storage unit for? Well, it's because we have so much stuff, and we'll put stuff in storage that we will never touch, never look at for years, maybe ever. But we, we just were yearning and desire to accumulate. Now, nowhere you're going to find that Jesus ever said that, well, what you really need to do is focus on a lifestyle of poverty. He, he is never criticizing legitimate means of getting wealth. Both Testaments actually value work. There's nothing wrong with making a living. Uh, you're going to find that you, there's like money and land and animals, uh, wealth that you can gain through legitimate ends, uh, means. That there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with providing for your families, having reasonable plans to invest, to prepare for the future, to have resources for you able to do business. But the problem is this. Despite the fact that God has given us all things to enjoy, that which God provides is never to be our means of security and the means by which we find the significance of our life. It's not wrong to possess things. The problem is, is when things and money possess you. And Jesus is indicating that there is no security in material possessions. You see what he says in verse 19? He says, stop this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And that's what would happen. Moths would eat away at garments. Now, wealthy people actually had a problem of actually how to keep your wealth. One of the things that they did is that they would actually have like gold like embedded in their clothing. Um, now, most of the clothing was made of wool, and moths love wool. Even the very wealthy found it difficult to keep moths from eating their garments. But he says, uh, don't store up your treasure on earth where moth and rust, that word is literally eating away. And it could be kind of like how like metal is um, like the pitting of metal coins. 
But it could also be just how vermin, like rats and mice, eat away grain. And, you know, if you want a modern-day example of this, just look at the news. Like right now, New York City is being overrun by just this explosion of rats, some of which apparently are the size of small rabbits. And they're eating away at wires on the cars and stuff. It is becoming a huge issue. That's what vermin does. They just eat away. And Jesus says, don't store up your treasures on earth where like moth and rust destroy. Or, he says, or like thieves break in and steal. And the idea here is that a thief could easily break into your house and steal your stuff, especially your money. Now, many of the homes were made out of like mud, like walls or like brick, like kind of clay brick, but they could easily be busted into. And so if you had a strong box or a money box, you would try to hide it like perhaps in your wall of your house. But it could be found and it could be taken from you. So wealthy people that had quite a few resources, they were like concerned, how do I keep them? So you can only wear so much gold, right? So they would like, in some cases, they would give their money to money changers, thinking, well, they might do a better job of keeping my money than me. And I could perhaps maybe even make some money off this. But others would say, well, you know, what I think I'll do is I will store my wealth in temples, temples made to pagan gods, because even most robbers wouldn't actually rob a temple with the idea like, man, I don't want this little god after me or causing me problems, so they wouldn't rob temples. Or, and we see examples of this in the Bible, some wealthy people, in order to try to save and preserve their wealth, would bury it in the ground or store it away in a cave, trying to be secret about it. But even if you were able to keep all of your wealth and all of your stuff perfectly in this life, the moment you die, you are separated from it. And Jesus is saying, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But rather, he says, look at verse 20, but store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven, where neither moss nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Here he says, make it the long-term pursuit of your life, a way of life of storing up treasure in heaven, where you're using your financial assets for the purpose of heavenly and eternal development and treasure. Now, what exactly, though, is treasures in heaven? What, what are the treasures of heaven? If Jesus is saying we're supposed to store up treasures in heaven, what is it? Well, let me give you some ideas of what the treasures of heaven is. First of all, it's the relationships with all of the redeemed. It's people, people who have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord it is all those who have been discipled, that have been, through your investments, time, finances, energy, sacrifice, you have helped grow and develop. That people who have come to Christ and matured in Christ, friends, that is treasure in heaven. Jesus is saying, focus not just on the here, but really focus on eternity. Treasures in heaven will be all of the people that have been benefited how God has worked through your life to influence theirs. 
And when we're with the Lord in eternity, we'll be seeing and meeting all of these people, many of which probably you had no idea that your giving of finances and time and the investments that you made had such an amazing difference. What is almost absolutely concealed in this life will be revealed and rejoiced in in heaven. It is great reward. Let me give you another treasure in heaven. It's the rewards given by God. You know, God is going to give increased responsibility for service to him in his kingdom. You can read about it in Luke chapter 19, right? Where you got that parable where Jesus gives a certain amount of resources to different individuals. He says, go and I want you to make, make the most of this and I'm going to return. Those that were faithful with a little were given what? Much. You know, this life is kind of like a proving ground. It's a testing ground. What will you do with what God has entrusted to you? Those who can be faithful with a little will be rewarded with much. Furthermore, there are rewards given by God for gifts to be used for worship and service of him. Do you know, like it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that you're going to be evaluated by God himself and rewarded for what you did with your life, your opportunities, your resources. It's not a judgment for salvation because that's been taken care of. When you believe in Christ, you are forgiven, you're eternally secure. But you and I are going to be evaluated on what we did with this life and the resources that God temporarily entrusted to you. Let me give you some more rewards. There's the reward of the reality of heaven itself. When Jesus says, don't put your rewards here on the earth, actually put your rewards, make it the treasure of heaven. Heaven itself is a great reward. The reality of being in the presence of God, no tears, glorious, magnificent, thrills, not just momentary like we might have in this life, but eternally, to be in his presence with his people, serving, rejoicing, experiencing no pain, no breakdown in his kingdom. I mean, we'll be overwhelmed by his majesty and his grandeur If that is your vision, the vision of Scripture, friends, we will reorient our finances because that is our treasure. We are seeking those kind of rewards. And let me give you one other. Treasures in heaven. It's the realization that our living, giving, and serving on this earth results in glorifying God in heaven. Our present involvement, our present serving, worship, our present giving not only leads to God being worshipped at this present time in heaven, it'll be eternally so. We will see the efforts and the investments that we made in this life provide like eternal glory to God. We believe that he is worth it and we worship him. We are treasuring Christ and hence, we're storing up treasures in heaven. I don't know how often you think about it, but What will that look like when we're in heaven? Meeting people, many of which I think we've never even known, some of which we have, some of which we've discipled and made significant investments in, some of which we may have taught in our classes, many of which we've gone to church with, and we'll see them, but there'll be lots of folks that we didn't have any idea that, whoa, somehow God used your resources to provide these opportunities which led to these people growing in Christ or coming to know Christ, and it's glory. It's worship. You're serving, you're living, and you're giving. And think about it being in heaven itself. No more pain, 
No more breakdown. Absolutely rejoicing. Friends, Jesus says, verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what we want to do. Moth and rust, they can't destroy it. Thieves, they simply will not break in and steal. You see, when we hold, when we hold and treasure Jesus, it breaks money's hold on our lives. And that's the problem. Money has such a strong grip. There was an old Jack Benny joke where Jack Benny was accosted by a thief and the guy pulls out a gun and he points it at Jack Benny and he says, listen, your money or your life. And uh, Jack just kind of froze. Doesn't really say anything and the thief goes, hey, Will. And he goes, stop, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, don't rush me, you know. He's like, I'm thinking about it. My money or my life? I'm, I'm not really sure which is more valuable. And we think that's humorous, right? It's like, of, of course, your life would be more valuable than all your money, right? I mean, what good is your money if you're not alive, right? But I'd like to ask you, really, is it? Do you value life? Life with God. Are your treasures really in heaven. You see, when we treasure Christ in his kingdom, you know what happens? There's a massive reorientation that takes place in our lives. We are transformed by the presence of Christ. His spirit, his Holy Spirit sets us apart to him and we start growing in new ways. We experience new life. We gain a new perspective on how to live, what's important, and especially what we do with our finances. And in this reoriented life, we find like, yeah, our earthly treasures, they could deteriorate. Someone could steal them. If they're like in the stock market, I mean, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? We just have no idea. But I want you to know that all of your investments made in his kingdom, they never go away. They never perish. No one can steal them. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, Jesus is not saying here, do not store up treasure. I want to tell you, you need to be doing that aggressively, intentionally, intelligently storing up treasure. But make sure you're storing it up in the right place. That's what Jesus is driving at. And here's something that he's going to drive home, verse 21, and that is this. A person's most cherished possessions And his or her deepest motives and desires are inseparable. Look at verse 21. I put a mark by this because this is such an important verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart. That was a word that was used figuratively that spoke of your emotion, your will, your your ability to reason, your passions. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You see, people's choices are determined by what they really value, what's really important to them. That's what you make time for. That's what you give your energy to. That's what you give your money to. Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will determine your values. You remember Jim Elliott, that famous uh, missionary, died as a martyr. He's actually killed by these native Indians. 
We, we have a quote from him. He gave us many, but perhaps one of his most famous quotes, and I'm sure you'll recall it, was this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And we focus a lot on the first part of it, right? To give what you cannot keep. And we kind of get this, like, yeah, when I die, I, I can't take this with me, so to give what I can't keep. But I want you to really focus on the second part, to gain what you cannot lose. I want you to know that Jim Elliott, he was in to treasure. It was just not treasure that would be lost, but treasure that would last for eternity. He was driven by it. You see, that's why you, would, you will go and you will make investments. You will go to perhaps even the ends of the earth. It won't make sense to most people, even to most Christians. Like, what would you want? Why would you do that? Why would you make these kind of sacrifices? Why would you give yourself like this? Because you realize there's the opportunity of putting treasure in heaven. You value the things that God does, and that explains your behavior. And friends, when we begin to think like this, when we are treasuring Christ, it starts changing every aspect of your life. Being with other believers, seeing the gospel go forth, supporting missionaries, discipling individuals. Uh, These things become priorities in your life. Your giving becomes a priority because why? You cherish and treasure Christ, and hence you want to be treasuring and laying up treasures in heaven. Now, you see, if you can be faithful with a little, chances are you can be faithful with much. When you and I come to Christ, I want you to know that Jesus intends to radically transform all of our lives and every aspect of our lives. That includes even our finances. You know, at Fellowship, we're all about you and I becoming fully mature in Christ. We have a a guide that you can find when you walk out these doors after service that as a financial stewardship vision guide, and just in a very concise way, It'll give you an overview on how to view the finances that God has entrusted to you. How do you actually figure out, like, you're paying all the bills, and what, is, what does saving come in, and, and where does giving come in? How does that even work at, like, Fellowship Bible Church? But we want to take Jesus' words at full value. We want to store up treasure in heaven. If you have a love for Christ and a passion for him and his kingdom, that will be reflected in all aspects of your life, including giving. And we want you to know what that really looks like. So like for Karina and I, we, we want to be kingdom-minded. The kingdom of heaven is our priority. And so I'll just share this with you, but it is such a priority for us, we make this an automatic, it's first with our finances. We, we give automatically, it just happens first. Why? Because we want to make sure we're laying up treasures in heaven. We value what God is doing through our church, through our missionaries, how he's developing people. And if it's our priority, like if that's what's really important to us, we're going to make this what happens first. And it could be, you know, some people think, well, you have to have a set amount, and, and the number they throw out there is 10%. That's, that's a good number, but I want you to know in the Bible, it's all grace-giving. And I want you to also know that at Fellowship Bible Church, no one knows what anybody gives. 
I don't, not a, no one on our staff even knows. This accountant knows. But giving, although it's anonymous, it's never anonymous with God. He knows. He actually knows our heart. In fact, he knows all that are putting and laying up treasures in heaven. So friends, consider what you're going to do with the finances that God has given. But I want you to know that money is a very alluring idol. Some of you may be familiar with a woman by the name of Susie Orman. She's a financial advisor. She's an author. She's got a podcast. She's very well known. She definitely comes from a non-Christian perspective. But in her book, Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, I want to read you a short excerpt. Listen to this perspective that was developed in her life at a very early age. She writes, When I was 13, my dad owned his own business, a tiny shack where he sold chicken, ribs, hamburgers, hot dogs, and fries. One day, the oil that the chicken was fried in caught fire. In a few minutes, the whole place exploded in flames. My dad bolted from the store before the flames could engulf him. Then my mom and I arrived on the scene, and we all stood outside watching the fire burn away my dad's business. All of a sudden, my dad realized that he had left his money in the metal cash register inside the building, and I watched in disbelief as he ran back into the inferno before anyone could stop him. He tried to open the metal register, but the the intense heat had already sealed the drawer shut. Knowing that every penny he had was locked in front of him, about to go up into flames, he picked up the scalding metal box and carried it outside. When he threw the register on the ground, the skin on his arms and chest came with it. He had escaped the fire safely once, untouched. Then he voluntarily risked his life and was severely injured. The money was that important. And then listen to her next words. That was when I learned that money is obviously more important than life itself. From that point on, earning money, lots of money, not only became what drove me professionally, but also became my emotional priority. You see that? Does money, having it, wealth, what you can accumulate, does that really satisfy your soul? Will that really fill you with a love of God and a love for people? Will that add depth to your life? Well, let's ask someone who actually has all of it, which many people would like, I would love to have this person's life and their lifestyle. Brad Pitt. In an interview on Ro- in Rolling Stone magazine, celebrity Brad Pitt uh, was reflecting on his lead role in a, a money, in a movie called Fight Club, which is about an American guy who had a dream, and he's trying to fulfill the American dream, but uh, it left him completely empty. Listen to what Brad Pitt said. Quote, man, I know all these things are supposed to be, seem important to us, the car, the condo, our version of success, but if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? If you ask me, I say, toss all this. 
We got to find something else because all I know is that at this point in time, we're heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being, and I don't want that. Well, then the interviewer said, well, so if we're heading toward this kind of existential dead end in society, what do you think should happen? Brad Pitt, hey man, I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain as he smiles. I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you, that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything, I know, but I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better, and you don't wake up better because of it. Friends, money is an alluring idol. You know, when you and I really value something, our finances follow. I mean, think if you take a real interest in, like, Apple products. You're like, whoa, isn't that really cool stuff? Like, I'm going to invest in Apple, man. I believe in these products. And what happens? You start making those investments. Anytime that you hear any news, you see an article about Apple, you're like, what have they come up with next? And you are locked in because you're very interested in what's going on with Apple. Makes sense, right? Your money's there, your heart's there, you're interested. As you and I learn to cherish and treasure Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, we become interested in what he's interested. Like missionaries, perhaps those like going to the Middle East or um, in Africa or different parts of Asia. If, if your heart is there, you're like, wow, God is at work and you start investing resources for the furthering of God's kingdom work, when you hear news of what's going on in that part of the world or with those missionaries, man, you're paying attention. Why? Because what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you wish that you had a greater yearning and desire for eternal things? Then invest. Invest in them. And watch what happens with your heart. Like Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, treasuring Christ in his kingdom changes the trajectory of our lives. You see God changing the trajectory of what we do with our money, how we manage it. But there's something else you need to see, and Jesus points out, and that is our ability to see reality. Look at these final two verses. Jesus said this, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And here Jesus is pointing out that when you and I treasure Christ in his kingdom, he changes our ability to see reality. And so Jesus uses this illustration. The eye is the lamp of the body or the lens. You know, it's your eyes This is the only way that you can perceive light and the only way to receive it. Ears, nose, mouth, doesn't work. Only your eyes. When your eyes are seeing clearly, you see all around. You can move. You can avoid pitfalls. You got clarity. But if your eye is injured or diseased or there's something majorly wrong and you can't see it all, guess what? If that's both your eyes, you're in darkness. You can't see. I mean... If you want to know what this is like, go into a house, turn off the lights, close your eyes, put one of those blinders on, and start walking around and try to function. 
it's going to be really difficult. Why? Because you can't see. When your eye is good, it's the lamp of the body. When you and I treasure Christ, we're able to see things as they really are. To see the beauty of God, the wonders of Scripture, how he is at work. We can see the pitfalls and the landmines that are out there, and we will avoid them. We can see them. But friends, if you don't treasure Christ, you don't value him, you haven't really placed your faith in him, you're in darkness, and your life will reflect that. And you're going to step in it, and you will cause all sorts of damage. You can't help yourself because your eyes are not right. Your heart really doesn't see You can't see your sin. You can't really see the Savior. You're rather self-centered, and you're living in darkness. Friends, if that is your case, what we want to do is go to the one who can give us vision and sight. Do you remember how Jesus began his earthly ministry? Quoted from the book of Isaiah, and he made this statement. You can find it recorded in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, to give sight to the blind. That's what Jesus did. In his earthly ministry, on multiple occasions, he gave sight, physical sight, to those who were blind. It demonstrated his deity. But do you know that Jesus gives spiritual sight to those who will trust and believe in him? That is why he came, so that you could see sin, so that you see the Savior, so that you see opportunities, so that you see, wow, investing in eternity is where true treasure is really at. These things all come from Jesus. So what we want to do is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, treasuring Christ and his kingdom it'll change the trajectory of your life. I think the first time in my life where this really sunk in, I was a fairly brand new believer in Christ back at the University of Oregon. I was a part of a large college group called Campus Crusade for Christ. We had about 250 college students that would come on a weekly basis Wednesday night. On on one particular Wednesday evening with all these college students, uh, we were going to send away a girl who had been, she had been a volleyball player for University of Southern California. She was also a chemical engineering major. And she had come on crusade staff. She was one of the staff gals. But this young gal was giving her life to China. And we were sending her out. And so I was on the worship team. So when we finished, um, they were going to show a video. A video that gave pictures of how she had been investing in all these different college students. And they played a song uh, with that, a song called Thank You by Ray Bolts. And so when we got done praying with her and they're going to show these pictures of her and they're playing this song, I got down and I'm standing right next to Sharon Lahowski. And here's this girl and she's seeing all these pictures. We just got done praying for her and we're going to send her to China. And here is this girl, and she's just got tears just running down her face. And there was such delight and joy. And it really struck me. This is what it looks like to live for the glory of God.
to make sacrifices, to lay up treasure in heaven, to make those kind of investments. Friends, that's what God desires for us. That we would seek first his kingdom. That we would listen to what Jesus said to lay up treasure in heaven. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray. And I'm going to give you an opportunity for you to consider where are you storing up your treasures? Where's your heart? Where are your treasures? Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. And when when we finish this time of prayer, I'd like to just have you join me in just going back in time, back to University of Oregon, back to a college campus that was just known for its wretched wildness and just paganism, where the gospel was going forth and people were giving, giving of their lives, giving of their treasure so they could experience the treasures of heaven. And so when I finish, we're going to play that Ray Bolt song, Thank You, And I'm going to ask that you would use that as a time to reflect and to continue praying, where am I really laying up my treasure? Let's pray. Lord.